Welcome back, guys. Episode 12 of Double Shot Connection. If you're not following us on Instagram, at Double Shot Connect. And just before we start, guys, I've been really impressed. We've had two listeners by the name of Liam Russell and Christopher Idle, and they have listened to what we've been saying on all our previous episodes. They've slid into our DMs and messaged us with a bit of banter, and we happily replied back with some more banter. So thanks, guys, for doing it, and thanks for setting the trend and hopefully everyone follows suit and starts flooding the dms with some more banter so i'm excited for this episode again tonight we've got another lovely guest on marvin the yep. keys are over to you mate introduce our guest i've got my first home buyers grant <laughs> ready to open the door um i've got my housemate here to the left eating his dinner tonight <laughs> And he hasn't flooded into the DM, so we'll give him seven days to flood into the DMs and we'll give you an episode, uh, an update on episode 13. Anyway, tonight we have a very important and special guest. She's on the 12th episode of the Double Shot Connection, 12 being my favourite number. She, I've had the pleasure of working with her and an amazing, an amazing inspirational woman, which is something that we've been going for. She's the second best looking employee at a certain mental health organisation after the one, the only John Michelle. <laughs> it's uh, Kate. <laughs> Thank you. Very nice introduction, Marv. But I'd have to say I'm the first. Above John. <laughs> John, you have your right of reply. You can appear on the podcast sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on, Kate. How does it feel? I'm very nervous. That's I don't know why. It's just sitting here with you, but I'm very nervous. That's all right. Don't be intimidated. We're, we're gentle souls, so, you know. And Marv tells me that you're up to episode eight of the podcast, yeah, so thanks for listening. Much appreciated. I'm a little bit behind, but I have... I have heard you guys talk about a lot about the competition. Have you drawn that yet? We have. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. About four weeks ago. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm a little bit Yeah, a bit I think you're behind. a bit behind. Have you given that Spotify um, giveaway? Have you actually given the person the prize? I've ordered it. It's come. I've got the Australia Post notification, so I have to go pick it up. And I'll be sending it out to you, Alex. <laughs> Hopefully Alex is still listening. Yeah. So, Kate, you would have realised that... When we have a guest on, we like to ask them what their Double Shot Connect moment and for anyone who doesn't know what that means is what is an impact or life-changing moment for you. So, Kate, what is your Double Shot Connect moment? I thought about this because I wanted to be prepared and I actually sat down with a couple of my housemates to come up with my Double Shot moment. I think it would have to be... um, I don't remember the year, but I know I was 19 and I just wanted to change, wanted to move anywhere and just picked England and actually got a job through the London Pub and Co and I was going to work in a pub and had all accommodation and I was going to go to my friends, super excited, last minute, I think a month or so before, bailed out. I realised I didn't want to do it, didn't want to live in another country, didn't want to give up my friends and my life here and decided to do three months travelling instead. I already had the ticket booked so I kind of had to to go anyway. Um, But yeah, I spent three months. I didn't do like short trips to different places, like I'd spend a couple of weeks in each. Um, I think coming back was a bit 
It was good. Like it was not. It, I was so excited to come back. But once you come back, you want to go again. Like you just want to travel. Um, but once I came back, I was so grateful that I never moved, and it's kind of stuck with me. Uh, it was one of my friends who helped me realise that moment, but it was a big one. And thank God for my other friend who didn't care that I bailed out, and she decided to come travelling too. So it kind of worked out for both of us at the time not to pack up and move. I think it was like a year or two we were thinking, and now I look back, I was way in over my head, thinking I was going to move to England and just start a new life. So that'd be my moment. Yeah, that's very interesting. And if you don't mind me asking, what was what was that realisation that made you realise that, oh, you know, you were happy that you didn't move? Was it because, you know, you were too young at the time or what was the reason there? Definitely too young at the time. And I think I get homesick. Like, I get homesick no matter if I'm just over in Melbourne for a few days. Like, I'd still feel homesick even if I'm with you know, the person that feels like home. So I think I realised how homesick I would have felt if I moved there because I missed, for three months, I missed being around to my family and friends. So it was probably a big eye-opener that I would have been very alone. Even though I would have had a friend there, it's starting everything from scratch again, like a new town, a new home. It would have been so much change. It would have been really overwhelming. So when, yeah, this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to going away. And I think when I've been away as well, I just tend to get really homesick. So I couldn't imagine um, how people do that and move away. And, you know, big shout out to people who do do that. Oh, good on you. That is (laughs) a hard thing to commit to. Especially at 19 years old. And so you've come home back to Perth. We'll paint the picture a bit. You've come back back to Perth. And what was your next step? So you realised you didn't want to live in England and do that. What did you want to do? What did it make you realise? Well, I had no job, obviously, coming back. Um... I, I had already done a TAFE course for mental health, so I knew I could apply for jobs, I guess, in that, and that, I did that at the time. But then I was really interested in naturopaths, so I started doing my degree um, in that, and then I got offered actually full-time work where I am now, so I dropped out of that and kind of went into that role of mental, mental health and haven't stopped since. I mean, I've gone to uni and done other things since then, <laughs> but um, I never went back to naturopath. And what, what made you want to get into mental health or study it originally and then go into the work? Um, I worked in disability. So I used to work as a support worker for people with intellectual or physical disabilities. But then I actually met a client who had mental health as well and I felt like it was very missed. It was the wasn't seen as a priority of the whole picture of the client Um, and I just got really interested in it in personality disorders and bipolar and I just I didn't know enough about it so I went and did the cert for mental health and then I went on to do my diploma and now I'm doing nursing at uni. Very interesting and before we go a bit deeper into all the mental health stuff I'm just curious to know I guess it's a few years on between, you know, your London trip. Is moving to another city an option for you now? Or is just because of that experience, you're like, no, nah, I wouldn't do it? I'd be a bit scared. 
again I think come, it, getting to that moment it's like that nerves it's just butterflies in my stomach and it wasn't going and I just had the feeling it wouldn't go so I don't know about moving countries I, I could move interstate um, over east but I don't know if I could do a whole pack up and move to Italy like I don't think I'd make it to the airport <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that's, that's very interesting and talking about mental health I mean I'm sure there's some easy days and I'm sure there's some tough days with clients in terms of you know your challenging days how, how do you disconnect and look after your own mental health a lot of people ask this and I think Mark would know working in the industry it's a big question everyone asks how do you switch off and there's probably only been one other worker I can relate to with this I don't have anything I just stop thinking about it like I can walk out of the office or close my laptop at the end of the day and I can switch off when there's a crisis going on it's a bit different and you don't want to it's not a job you just stop then and there um, like a crisis with a with client, a client. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you obviously don't stop and that plays on your mind and you might worry but you know everyone has different they might go for some at the beach or the gym or they have a wind down I really don't I can just switch off um, and someone in my team is the same and I was so glad because I felt alone in the fact that I didn't have this method of stopping and slowing down but then I met someone that felt the same so now I feel okay about it do you think over time you've developed a bit of a routine that has mm-hmm. helped you do you do like exercise or meditation cooking anything like that that I probably you? do ex- like all of that in the morning before work and then it's my work day and then I'm probably a bit, like quite social after work so I'll always be with friends or going to do something um yeah I could go to a gym class but I wouldn't call that my switching off it's more just yeah cook dinner get on with my night and I can leave it behind which to me I wouldn't be able to do the job if I couldn't yeah. if I took it home with me every night you you burn out. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I, I, I personally know how social you are. <laughs> when we were working at the um, mental health organisation, you'd always hear Kate's voice. <laughs> It'd be in the kitchen, you'd hear a voice. In the bathroom, you'd hear a voice. <laughs> I don't know how much, if they're listening, if your boss is listening, I don't know how much of the uh, 7.6 hour work day you complain <laughs> with actually working with clients. But, you know, the, the, the work you do do is very quality is, stuff. We call it internal liaison how do you how do you roster that <laughs> just out of interest because I, I never could roster that those hours down yes it's just under communication <laughs> <laughs> and she hits her 75 percent i do um, target. I the target so you clearly are quite passionate about working in mental health and all the all the challenges that come with it you handle them quite well what advice would you give someone anyone young old who would want to get into that field and do you think that field and is a job that anyone can get into no no i don't i think you you have to have a lot of empathy um patience you have to be really open-minded because the things you're going to hear and see that it's different like it's everyone's journey is different so you can't judge anyone for a decision they made that led them to where they are and i get quite frustrated with um, people who talk about homelessness or people who are, you know, um, meth addicts and they say they chose that. 
um, and, you know, everyone has a choice and they chose that path. They could have done it different even if they were brought up and I just get so mad because I don't think it's true because people sometimes don't have those coping strategies or support network to lean on that lead them to those places. So I think if you're going to go into the industry, go into it for the right reasons of having an open mind. You just want to make a difference. You want to help people. Know that you can't do it all and you're not there to fix people. You're just there to support them on their journey. And I think you can see that a lot of worker frustration because they're not seeing the results they want to see from a person. But Mm. you have to really take a step back and just let them do it in their own time. Whether you get to see the final outcome or not, it's kind of not the point of the job sometimes. It's helping them get to where they want to be. So I definitely say take a long, hard think. Um, have your self-care if you're a person who would be quite invested in all the situations that will happen it's stressful so if you can't handle stress don't do it (laughs) but I think TAFE is a great place to start I know lots of people come in straight out of uni but TAFE really gives you that practical just the cert for our mental health I never would have chosen a degree like social work or psychology or nursing if I hadn't have started there to learn the basics That'd be my advice. Yeah, you sound like a very well-grounded individual. I I like what I'm hearing here because you sound very confident, which is very good. Now, I guess I'm sure even during the day there might be some tough moments where a client may have, you know, told you something. How, How do you... I mean, I know you're there in a professional sense, so you know what your role is, but... Is there times when you, it sort of starts playing on, on your emotional side? Is it kind of what you were going back to before as you were saying, like, you know, what you're there for and what you need to provide? Or has it sort of played on your emotional side before? Oh, it definitely plays on your emotional side. Even if you... It's, it's probably easy to do that when you're not sitting in front of a person who's telling you something that just makes you want to tear up and cry. I have teared up before when people have told me things because it's sad and they're allowed to be sad because of it and I'm allowed to feel sad for them for that situation but there's a difference between showing some emotion and some empathy and then letting all your emotions out and having a breakdown in front of them with them there's a really fine line um but it definitely some things you hear you can't unhear and it it makes you so appreciative of your life and grateful and I just don't think I take anything for granted in terms of the support I have from family um, the group of friends I have I just you see some of the most isolated and vulnerable people and you would know Mark it's so upsetting to hear how some people live their life and I don't think um, enough people in society really understand that how people live and we all think we kind of live the same but it's just not and that's upsetting in itself yeah definitely it's very very eye-opening um experience and the job that it you know the, the things that you go through and the things that you deal with so shout out again um Kate you're doing wonderful things is is there yeah, might be a bit hard for the next question if you choose not to answer it but you know you can remove names and whatnot is there a story that really sticks out to you so like whilst you've been working in mental health something that's happened that really resonates with you or just a story that where someone has transformed themselves that yeah is there a story that sticks out for you um 
Maybe a couple. I think the ones that are always the hardest to hear are sexual assault ones from family members. And when you hear, um, when you hear that that's happened to them and sometimes people don't open up to you straight away. So you could be working with them for six to nine months and they kind of tell you and it just, it shocks you, but then you try not to change your approach of your work, but you just, I don't know. That's tough sometimes because you're only human. Yeah. Like you just feel too much. And then I just think like they were a child when they went through that and no one deserves that. And that's really hard. I find that the most challenging when people open up about that. And sometimes I sit there speechless and I'll have to say, I have nothing to say. Like, I'm just sorry that it happened to you. Um, but yeah, there's just been, there's been a lot of stories, but those ones are always the most upsetting. Definitely. And something that you just said there, do you think that there's a misconception whereby, you know, when someone's opening up to you, how you just said there's been situations where you've had nothing to say and do you kind of think that there's sort of, I don't know, when someone opens up to that level in any situation, you kind of feel like you have to say something back or you need an answer? Like, is that sort of what people generally think? I think so and it can it can be quite awkward and you kind of sit there for a second and in your in my head I'm like say something think of something but there's nothing I can put into words at that moment because it's it's pure shock when you find things like that out that you don't you don't want to pull a facial expression it's like oh my god you don't want to react you don't want to underreact you don't want to overreact so it's really hard to find that balance of giving them a reaction that's not going to trigger them but also not going to I forgot I don't know the word like that kind of says that you're there for them yeah. not to be like oh, I'm not listening or anything like yeah. that yeah yeah okay and there was something you also you said previously about not everyone sort of lives the same life and people don't understand that can you go yeah. give everyone listening at home sort of what a bit more explanation what do you mean by that I think I get um, probably frustrated and it's more conversations in passing that you hear from people and maybe because in the industry maybe you can relate you hear it more but just that I don't know the word it's like deep not degrading or you know there's a stigma yeah there's definitely a stigma that people who you know live on the streets are drug users or they've something's happened and they've chosen that path or I think I don't like the stigma people put on mental health, but it is so challenging to break that and it's so hard to have a conversation with someone without getting angry about it yourself and try and explain to them a different side when they're so narrow-minded. Yeah, definitely. And it's, sometimes it's very difficult because everything you say to them, they'll have a yeah, counter-argument. Yeah, and I think it, it goes back to, I think there's a saying that unless you've walked a day in you know that person's shoes it's difficult for you to experience that and a lot of people and it's something that's very topical right now the in terms of privilege there's a lot of conversations around privilege and people i think don't understand that as you said that some people don't have that choice and what what do you (laughs) what message do you have to like hopefully not too many of those people are listening to this podcast but if they are what what would you say to sway them like what what mind (laughs) don't be so naive don't live in a bubble everyone was raised differently some people had greater opportunity than others some took those opportunities some don't it's it's the way the world works like you can't be so naive to think that 
everyone gets given the same chance because we don't and we see that it's unfair in society all the time no matter what but in mental health it's definitely the stigma um, that is the most upsetting to see from people and what stigma in your opinion is attached to mental health Oh, let's try out some banging yeah. questions tonight, Nathan. <laughs> You're giving us good content, Kate. We're um, loving it. I think, okay, for example, probably with depression, there's a lot of stigma for laziness, not wanting to do things, just not wanting to start your day, not wanting to get up early. Um, oh, you know, it's their sleeping pattern or it's this. So, yeah, it can be all lifestyle and there is, you know, seasonal depression and what you eat and exercise, all that contributes but sometimes there is a chemical imbalance and people forget that because depression anxiety can be thrown around a lot all the time that sometimes maybe people who do suffer with major depressive disorder don't get taken as seriously as they should yeah and does that answer the question it does it does i was was gonna add to that and i was gonna i was you're 100 percent correct and I think talking a lot, there's a lot of attention around it. However, at the same time, you know, people just drop on social media. Oh, I'm feeling so depressed today. And that kind of, <laughs> now I'm lost for words. It kind of undersells what depression is. Like it's a, yeah. you know, it's a, there's a clinic, it's a clinical. Yeah. And that's a feeling that they're allowed to feel, you know, people mm-hmm. are allowed to feel depressed and everyone would have experienced the feeling of depressed and there's a difference between feeling depressed and feeling anxious for something and then having a anxiety disorder or having you know major depressive disorder there's a massive difference between living with that mental health condition as opposed to experiencing that feeling when something in your life happens which it does people go through breakups everyone feels depressed that's that's a normal you know Mm. kids at a swimming carnival they feel anxious that's a normal feeling doesn't mean they have an anxiety disorder and it doesn't mean they're depressed yeah definitely and imagine feeling that every day exactly and i think that's where you go back to kate how people don't understand that they don't understand that feeling of feeling that every day so yeah thanks thanks for that insight yeah and you talk about experiencing feelings i guess you know maybe on a certain day you feel down or things like that do you think in a sense that because people feel that way and it's portrayed as if, um, I don't know, I don't know if this is true, this is just my thoughts, but sometimes you see on social media people living such happy lives and things like that. Do you kind of feel like when people do feel the opposite, they're like, they question why they're feeling that way because it's like, oh, well, you know, I should be happy. And do you think that's why things can start there and it spirals from that way yeah definitely and like you said with the social media I think that plays a huge part in today's society especially for the younger generations now and teens and even people in their 20s and 30s we're comparing we're looking all the time um you're seeing these lives that people are living but behind the cameras it's not the same I mean some are some are happy stats, but some are... People aren't on holidays all the time like the Instagram. And Kate, 20s, please, please. No one here, no one here is 30. I don't know. Um, but, it, yeah, it all plays a part. Definitely. 
Yeah, um, no, that's really good insight there. And I guess, what, in, in your opinion, what's a rewarding part of your job? Definitely seeing the positive outcomes when, you know, they don't need you anymore. I mean, it's always a bit sad when they don't because you know that they're moving on. But it's for the best. It's always a great outcome. But definitely seeing a positive outcome, whether it's, um, you know, like finishing a TAFE course or they finally get their licence after, you know, they do have an anxiety disorder and that was a really challenging milestone to accomplish. That's always so rewarding to see. I think anything positive for them, a goal that they've worked towards and achieved, it's always a win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's something I can completely agree with. I was doing a bit of recreation stuff, so it's mm. that fitness. You mentioned earlier that you're um, studying. Yeah. So slowly. Are we moving away from the mental health field, or are we f- gaining further knowledge? Or what? What's the next step for Kate? I'm not sure yet. It's all up in the air. Um, I guess psychiatric nursing would, it would make sense to lead on, but I'm not sure with nursing. I want to do all the pracs and see all the different avenues before I decide what I'd want to specialise in. I think mental health, I don't know if I'd want to go clinical onto the clinical side of mental health. I like the community based. I like being with people and not dealing with the medications um, and all that side and prefer to do more of the lifestyle environment goal focused work but nursing has so many avenues i could go down yeah it definitely does when you just mentioned clinical versus non-clinical just for people who are listening and don't really know too much about that what what do you mean by that um so clinical mental health would be working as a nurse or you know a psychiatrist or a social worker within your local them. Hospital? <laughs> Hospital or local mental health clinics, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, Every maybe, suburb yeah. has a local one. Yeah. Um, and their work is focused around the medication and the treatment, the diagnosis, um, maintaining that stability. Or as my side that I work on is more community-based, goal-focused. It's We're not there to deal with medications or any of that. We're there for a short-term um, mental health program really so anything else besides that <laughs> housing license you know just anything so like working with them in the community yeah, yeah just letting people know that who may not know that yeah and how about if people listening to this podcast their mental health's not feeling too good what what would be some maybe go three <laughs> three is the magic number what, what would you be three. Kate's three tips <laughs> to help improve your mental health give me a little bit health? more like what was <laughs> Give me a background, a little bit, something. If Nathan here yeah. comes to me and he's like, oh, Marv, I've had a really, you know, been feeling a bit flat lately, which he does, everyone does. I've got my yeah. arm around Nathan. He's a, <laughs> he's a beautiful man. And when I feel flat, he's always there for me. What would you say? What 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 are three areas or three tips that you'd give this beautiful young man? <laughs> um, well... Doing something you love, whether, I don't know, surfing, running, riding, just getting out and doing something that you enjoy. Probably talking to a close friend or family member, someone you, don't have to be a serious conversation, but at least just let someone know how you're feeling yeah. and try and open up a bit. 
And the third, well, you got me. I don't know. I can't think of a third. How about you, Nate? Do you have a third there? Help her out. Oh, third. Mom, <laughs> you're the expert. I think you can jump in. Actually, I I have a question for you guys. Um, this never happens before where we're asked a question to Marv and the guest. I guess, seeing as Kate's the guest, we'll let you answer this first. Oh, please let Marv. <laughs> that gives me more time to think of an answer. Do you think mental health in this day and age gets enough attention, in your opinion? Kate? <laughs> It's different because I work in it, so yes, to some extent, I think it does get a lot of attention. Um, but then, on the other side, maybe not enough. And what is that other side? Marv, I think you could take <laughs> Do I get my own answer or am I completing your answer? <laughs> I, I agree with Kate. I think mental health is getting more attention in mainstream media. However, at the same time, there are still a lot of misconceptions about mental health, so that education um, side of things would would be great. And in saying that, I feel like personally, it's quite working in the sector. I don't know if you agree with me, Kate, but it's still quite underfunded. Uh, When you come to government funding and private sector funding, it's very underfunded compared to traditional yet clinical um, avenues and that's something that's catching yeah. up and I'm not working in the industry anymore so maybe Kate can fill us in a bit about that how do you feel the funding um, and all that kind of stuff is um, and there's a huge funding change in the industry with the NDIS I personal opinion don't think it fits into the mental health criteria I don't know what you agree with but I don't think it was the suitable funding for mental health there were better ways we could have funded it um and i think the support that we're going to be providing or from the ndis perspective might make people a little bit too comfortable um there's no once you've got it the funding you've got it for life so there's no push to i've only got two years i've only got a year of this support and then i have to do it on my own it's reviewed but it's always there so I think that might you might see that be an issue in comparison to them funding disability that's more lifelong yeah mental health can change quite rapidly quite rapidly and NDIS stands for National Disability Insurance Scheme so that in itself (laughs) disability I think it doesn't specify specifically as Kate was saying mental health so it'll be interesting I, I know when I was working um, with you, Kate, there was a lot of conversations about the NDIS not, yeah, really looking um, specifically at mental health. So there are definitely challenges that will occur. Well, I had a client um, I was doing the NDIS application with, and I ended up having to sit there and scribble out the NDIS because it made them so upset that the word disability was in it, and I couldn't, I couldn't justify that. I just had, I, I agreed with them. It shouldn't have been there. It didn't make them feel good about applying for it and asking for that help when that word disability just just stood out so much um yeah well i think going back to nate's question there that you know it's kind of like lumped summed into that mm. phrase it doesn't have its own separate yeah phrase in itself like it's part of the ndis so yeah um <laughs> 
that's our opinion now. Any more questions for us? No, but I was just going to give my two cents anyway. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Nath, what's your opinion on this? <laughs> we didn't ask you. No, no. I, I was just going to say, just from my general observations, I feel like, you know, in high school, I don't remember there being any separate sort of uh, presentations on it. I remember sexual education but and there being presentations on that in like year 10 and 11 and 12 but I don't remember there being someone coming in and saying hey guys this is mental health if you're feeling like this talk about like you know that I, I mean we were aware that you know there's a school chaplain and all this stuff so if you had a problem go and talk about it but I, I honestly can't recall saying someone's saying like, oh if you feel down like this is what it could possibly be and I think that could I don't know whether it's still carrying through now and I've mentioned this before is that sometimes you have a feeling it's unidentifiable what do you do about it do you know what I mean like and that's why we may tend to not act on it because we actually don't know what it is in the first place is that something you see yeah I think that's that's fair to say people don't know sometimes what they're feeling and what the feelings are and that's that's challenging in itself to have to learn what anxiety is why you're already experiencing it um i hope now there's more education in schools i don't really know what it is like i've done a couple of things through work where on mental health week um and other ones like that are you okay day we've gone out to different high schools mm-hmm. and they kind of set up a stall you give information out but I mean, out of the 100 kids that you might give a card to, maybe one of them will use it in six months, and I guess that's what we hope, and just got to keep trying to promote that there is services, there is help out there, there are numbers to call day and night, but it's it's making that first step, and that can be challenging. Yeah, and the message is out there. Nate's taken us off uh, off track tonight, so I've got a question for both of you. So, oh, both of us, <laughs> both of you. I'm currently unemployed, so if anyone is listening out there and wants to offer me a job, <laughs> slide into my slide into the Double Shot Connect DMs. As two people who are employed, so Kate, obviously you're employed in the mental health um, sector, and Vimes, you're employed in the private industry sector. How do you feel your employer and your sector in general or maybe your employer meets your mental health needs like if you need a day off do they adhere to that maybe we'll start with Nath because you're not in the sector just to give us a bit of paint that picture for us yeah I think uh, for me personally I'm very lucky in the team that I in that I am in got a very good support network uh, you know they've helped me to where I am today and sort of learning and growing and look there's been times where I've asked for a a day off and they've more than been happy to provide it to me so I think definitely now as well you know they they see the value in it they do understand that employees need time to themselves they need time to reset and just I think sometimes you just need to spend a bit of time with yourself just to see what's happening and all those fun spiritual things so yeah I, I, look I can't speak for other people in the industry or any other industry that they work in but I guess fortunately for me it is a thing where you should look after yourself and I think that's a great thing because I work in a team which is predominantly males so the fact that that's being promoted I I, I really value that over to you Kate 
I can't fault the workplace that I'm at. It's fantastic. If we want, if you need a day off, you can have a day off. Um, there's lots of different. I'm actually part of the wellness team now. Nah, get that in there. Plug that one. Is John, is John in that one as well? You really no. Oh, so missed out, why John. Not John. <laughs> Um, no, so we do. We tried to, before COVID started, we were actually about to start running like mindfulness sessions in the office, which I thought would be great. It gives everyone time to unwind sometimes during the day. Um, if you need to take a day of personal leave, you take a day of personal leave. No one questions you about it. It's the same as having a sick day. And I think it should be like that in all workplaces. It's your personal leave to take. You don't have to have a cold or a flu to want to have a day at home. Yeah, and you would need that with yeah. the clients you're doing with. Oh, just letting everyone know, being unemployed, as many sick days as I want. Think <laughs> <laughs> you're loving unemployed life a little bit too much. <laughs> I have a question for you, Kate, and this is going to be very controversial. So, look, anyone listening, this no, is she's just not single. <laughs> <laughs> anyone listening, don't knock me for it. But I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I'm just interested to know Kate's opinion. You mentioned Are You Okay Day and I guess, uh, look, there's, there's other stuff like Men's Mental Health Week and certain events highlighting it and stuff, but, and look, I, it's, it's a great initiative that there is Are You Okay Day and highlighting it, but to play devil's advocate here, shouldn't every day be Are You Okay Day? Like, why is there only one day highlighting it? It's kind of like... <laughs> Every day should be Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> if you start doing that, then it takes it away and it's not as special on that day. But <laughs> I think it's just another it's just another way to raise awareness. Get it out there, get it into the media, into the schools, put it on people's news feeds. I'm sure everyone sees it on those days that everyone posts about it. And yeah, it should be every day and we should be posting more. But I'd have to say, I see a lot on Facebook and Instagram now people posting those kinds of, I'll say quotes or... Yeah, those messages. Yeah, yeah, on, not just on those days, which is really good to see, but I'm neither here nor there. It doesn't bother me. It's a nice, it's a nice way to celebrate, but yeah, it should be done more often. But we do have Mental Health Week and there's lots of times that they raise awareness. Um, and it's about continuing to spread that message, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think the more the better. Yeah. Can what's I, your thoughts on it, Mark? I just want to firstly say every every day I see you is Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree with Kate in that regards. It's just really important to continue getting that message out. On the, yeah, there are, are days like Are You Okay Day. There's Mental Health Week. I think even a few weeks ago it was Men's Mental Health Week, yeah. um, and so with those spread out throughout the year hopefully the message continues to be raised and i think us as human beings especially in times like this is just really important to play our role and continue asking that question and i know i know what you mean though vimes on situations like are you okay day in a lot of workplaces and this is feedback i've gotten from friends there's a lot of kind of like sarcastic oh are you okay like kind of thing i mean yeah if that's the way that we can get some awareness out there that's great but yeah i think it's really important human to human just asking your mates and checking in on them if you notice that they're struggling a bit doing your role and doing your job as a friend and as a good human being as you'd know now if you're a top bloke (laughs) 
Oh, mate, you're pumping up my tyres. Terrible haircut, but great. <laughs> mate, great I, don't, I don't need a haircut. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, to look at it on the flip side, like people live their daily lives. They're so focused in what they're doing, I guess. On the other perspective, if you have a day that highlights it, then, yeah, you are bringing that yeah. awareness. So, look, I, I get that as well, but, I, yeah, I was just interested but to know someone who's in the industry and you know you know how, how it affects people and things like that. Oh, that's why I was interested to ask you. And please excuse my ignorant, ignorance for this question as well. Marv just said that there's Men's Mental Health Week. Is there a Women's Mental Health Week? Ignore my ignorance for this, but I didn't know there was a men's mental health week. <laughs> well, I saw it on Instagram. Like, people were sharing it Until it was men's mental health week, and then everyone started posting. I thought, yeah. wow, I didn't know that was a thing. So I don't know if that's new, but I don't remember the. Um, I don't remember it happening last year or the year before, but I'm going to take a guess here and say at the moment, no to the women's mental health week, but that's. Let's try to find out because that was a new one for me, Men's Mental Health Week. So Men's Mental Health Week this year was the 14th to the 20th of June. Should we take bets? Who, who Do we reckon there is a Women's Mental Health Week? There is. The 7th to the 11th oh, of September is. this year. Oh, I'm pleased to hear that. I'm glad that that's highlighted as well. But is it new? Is this a new oh, Come on, Kate. <laughs> it's a Google job. But, yeah, it's good to that both, you know, the, there's the whole yeah. mental health awareness. That's just really. And that, I guess that goes back to my message before. So you've got the September period there where that is raised as Women's Mental Health Week and then in June is the male one. So, you know, a few months apart and that, again, raises a question no matter if you're male or female, if you see it on social media, you can yeah. get reminded And then when's that. Are You OK Day and Mental Health Week, Marv? Every day, Kate. <laughs> Every day is Are You OK Day. You should always be looking out for those who are close to you and it doesn't have to be if they're not close, if you see something. Yeah. There's no harm in asking the question. Now, I keep having, I keep firing all these questions at you, Kate, and I'm sorry, but it's just a very interesting topic. So, and this might be a hard one to answer. I just thought of this question just then. I guess in terms of when you see male clients and their mental health issues, and then you see female clients and their mental health issues, is there is there a lot of overlap? Or is is it quite different? It's a, it's a really good question. It's a very interesting question. Because the reason why I ask this is that, and I could be wrong here again, but I feel like, and rightly so, men's mental health does get highlighted. I feel a lot more. Yeah. Because we, and I agree, tend to agree that we do struggle to open up and share our feelings. So maybe that's why it's highlighted more. But look... I'd love to know more about female mental health. So I guess, yeah, going back to my question, is there a lot of overlap? I mean, there doesn't have to be, but I was just curious to know. Um, I think they're quite different. It is very different working with males to females. Um, yeah, male. I think maybe mental health for men is promoted more because guys don't open up as much and there is that huge stigma of guys not crying, guys not having feelings and that it's outdated and it's old and needs to move along but I think a lot of guys are trying to raise more awareness now and just just within themselves like they're not as shut off they can admit when 
something's bothering them and just those small steps they're huge in the change for society to accept that men can feel the same as women with their mental health and they can have anxiety disorders and they can suffer just as much but I say it is quite different the you know in terms of diagnosis and just the whole working aspect it is quite different and what what would you say would be different so what would females kind of present more with that Um, males wouldn't or would I find a lot of males is childhood trauma a lot of things that have happened to them when they're younger in their teenage years or that's either impacted them through their whole life or there's been one significant event and then it's kind of all blown up from there you know they've held it in for so long and then a marriage breakdown or something happening has just it's changed them um but yeah so it's a it's a good question but it's a very tough one as well i think female sometimes males oh i don't know it's really hard i'm gonna have to sit on that one let me come back to it i can't think i'm under pressure (laughs) no that's all right i guess for I guess I asked the question. I guess maybe other males listening to this would be interested. What are some, I guess, common female mental health things that you notice? I notice probably um, borderline personality disorder the most. That's more common in females than males, and I think you could Google that more. I think that's statistics. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll back you in that, Kate. Okay? <laughs> I think that would that would be a really common. I, I don't think I've ever worked with a male with borderline personality disorder or emotion I think it's changed names now but I've never worked with a male but majority of females have had that um, diagnosis or similar males I'd say is more depression and anxiety Um, and females probably yeah more more bipolar and borderline personality disorder is what I would say but Every worker would probably have a different opinion on that, depending on who you've worked with. No one really works the same, so. Yeah, no, you're ex- exactly correct there. Um, and I remember when I was working with you, I worked predominantly with males as well, <laughs> um, funnily enough. Uh, so it's really interesting getting that insight on what females yeah, present with and what mm like there so that was a good question Nathan you'll, uh, you'll have a smile on his face for the rest of the night <laughs> yeah, with that look, I'm so sorry again Kate but I've just thought of another question so <laughs> go <laughs> I promise it's the last one I mean you just as I said you're speaking some really good content so you're just creating all these triggers in my brain but in terms of establishing that relationship with a client and Marv just said he predominantly worked with males do you think it's easier when you have a female patient to have a female caseworker and a male to a male or it doesn't matter like the cross? It does matter um, at times. I think you find more females want to work with females. Males, I don't know. The guys that I've always worked with have seemed like they're happy. <laughs> Maybe deep down they really wanted to Marvel. They wouldn't want one. (laughs) Um, All I want for Christmas is Marv. (laughs) But I think 
you always ask like you want to give them that choice because you want to feel comfortable with who you're working with and you would know in yourself who you're going to feel more comfortable opening up with some guys will say i want to you know work with a female because i feel more comfortable and others are just like no way like i need a male the industry is obviously more higher in female workers and that is the peak i guess for clients um but did you work with females, Rob? Well? Um, I worked with a few females, but as I said before, predominantly males. I'd say 80, even 90% males. Yeah. And I think going back on um, Nate's question to you, you mentioned before sexual abuse. Females, mm-hmm. a lot of females you work with had gone through sexual abuse, yeah. so maybe that could be that is a, a reason. reason and why yeah, they, they would want, want a male worker. A male worker um, I could think of. But yeah, I. Yeah, I've worked with both males and females and not had many problems, both younger and older. I think I worked with people as young as 15 and older, 60. And, yeah, most of the time, if you're you're a good worker, it shouldn't matter too much. But, yeah, there's obviously certain factors and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah, and you definitely have your age genre that you work best with. And Mm. some people work really well with kids or older adults, um, teenagers. But like Mark said, it's basically from 15 to 60 that... We work with so it's pretty broad oh cool thanks for that insights and i can promise you now kate no more <laughs> questions being fired from me <laughs> no, more, no more questions don't worry i'll um i'll give you a bit oh, of a breather okay. kate i know kate's <laughs> just looking at us like i'm ready for some dinner which we promise we'll have after um i guess before we bid farewell i just want to quickly say if anything we've said tonight has triggered anything for anyone please it is not weak as we've said it's okay to seek support there's some support networks available such as beyond blue or lifeline their number is 13 11 14 i thought so (laughs) correct so if you do need some um if anything tonight has triggered anything whilst you listen to this podcast please give those um numbers or websites a visit and on that note, Kate, thank you very much. It's not only are you a uh, beautiful young lady, you've got a heart of gold, a mind like... Stop with the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a mind like the, the great Nathan next to me here. And, yeah, we just thank you so much for your insight and giving us your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute honour to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Kate. Much appreciated for giving up your time. And what is your Instagram so people know where to find you? Kate Alexandra. There you go. Nice and simple. Easy to find. I might be able to have a stalk. I'm on private, but try. (laughs) Nathan, find a way. Nathan, think of that one. Actually, you know, fun fact. I was like, okay, I don't know Kate that well, so... Let's have a stalk of her Instagram oh, to see if God. I could get any material for the podcast. She loves cats. Yeah, that, that's what I found. She loves cats. So, What's your cat's name? Just give, give that a shout out as well. While you're at it. I'll give a shout out to George. George? My prior possession. George is nine months old. Cheeky as hell, but loved bits. And everyone who has me on Instagram will know I film him very often. There's a lot of photos, there's a lot of updates in life. George. There you go, guys. Shout out to George. So, yeah, once again, Kate, thanks for coming on. Episode 12, guys. Instagram at Double Shot Connection. We're signing out, and thank you so much for listening.